And welcome back to the latest and greatest episode of the Shaving Points Podcast. My name is Jayton May. You can find me on Twitter at jmay56. And I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Quentin Crisco. How are we doing tonight, Quentin? Doing okay. Rough weekend last weekend. It, it hurt a little more just because the weekend before I was on fire. And then on, on college football Saturday, I was on fire. And I was like, man, I hope this carries over to Sunday. Now I'm like, like a full, what, eight days, nine days at that point of just like hitting everything. And it just tanked on me on Sunday. Can't last forever. So that's why we're here. So I can make up for it. So I can make my money back from Sunday. And I still came out ahead on the weekend. But my name is Quentin Crisco. You can find me on Twitter at Stats. You can find the podcast on Twitter at shaving underscore points underscore pod. That's points as in PTS. Make sure you're go, going and following us on Twitter because I put out a lot of plays between now and Saturday for college and Sunday. Usually Saturday morning and Sunday morning, I'll put out two or three additional plays that I feel really good about after doing some more research. Um, so don't miss out on it. Make sure you go follow us and check out our new improved website, shaving-points.com. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of last week, a uh, little underwhelming performance by myself. I went three and three. Unfortunately for you, you went three and five. Started up strong. It's actually three and six. I couldn't fit the Thursday night graphic or the Thursday night <laughs> bet on there. I hated the board, and I, I made that very clear in last week's episode. I did not like any of the lines. So what do I do? I go and bet nine different games on it because I'm so That's intelligent. What you that's what you got to do sometimes. This is if you find yourself in a hole, you just have to dig yourself out. Uh, I actually hit my Thursday night play for the first time in a while. Good good win by Arizona there. D-Hop being back. The boys are rolling. Kyler looked like Kyler again a little bit. And then losses. I mean, I, got, I had the over in Dallas, Detroit. That sucked. Detroit's offense couldn't get anything rolling against the Dallas defense. Dallas offense didn't look great. Uh, Atlanta, the Dirty Birds let us down. Joe Burrow just decided to be Joe Burrow again. Throws for 767 yards, 11 touchdowns. Jamar Chase had 1,000 yards receiving and 14 touchdowns. But it's all good. Dirty Birds will be back. Atlanta, that division's trash, so they'll have they'll have their chances to get back. Tennessee, I mean, I've been so right on Tennessee all year. I mean, they're just keeping it moving. I mean, this is the part of the season where they just get it rolling. Started out the season 0-2. Don't matter. Number one in that division, Tennessee Titans rolling on. I liked Houston last week. Didn't turn out too great. Plus seven against them, them Raiders. But yeah, Raiders just finally decided to show up and play. They, they talk about a team that's in a hole that may or may not be able to dig themselves out of. Raiders might be in trouble. They might be good. Who knows? And then I mean, I ended up taking Seattle Moneyline on Sunday. I mean, they're just – they're a rocket ship to the moon right now, number one team in the NFC West, like everybody predicted at the beginning of the season. They're looking like they're going to be a playoff team with Denver's first-round pick, and Denver might be picking on the top five. So – and that's yeah. another – we talked about it in the offseason, not knowing Geno Smith was going to play as well as he did, but talking about the Seattle roster probably being the best roster – Russell Wilson would have had in his career outside of his Super Bowl runs and Geno Smith going out there playing like a dog playing like playing like a guy that 
wants a spot back in the NFL, and they're looking like it right now. Seattle's Seattle's rolling hot. So uh, just just before we started this, I saw a stat that uh, compared Geno Smith's first three years in the NFL to Drew Brees' first three years in the NFL, and they're like identical. It's just hysterical that we're at that point where yep. <laughs> Geno might be Drew Brees. Um, I hope he is, man. Geno for MVP, man. I'm loving it. Um, running through my bets real quick here. Indy plus three. I was a fool took Indy. Bad decision. Um, Baltimore minus three and a half first half. Baltimore was up by three at half. They light up an early touchdown and then this bet was dead at that point because that, that early touchdown was too much for them to overcome. Um, at least for the cover. Seattle plus seven. That one was money. Uh, Miami minus seven. This one really, uh, really grinds my gears because Miami was in field, easy field goal range and decided to go for it up six with like three minutes left, which makes no sense to not Almost make it a two game. score game. And it, they won by six. Should have been by nine. I think Mike McDaniels might be betting against his own team. We'll find out. What, what, the Shaving Points podcast is going to dig deep for you on that and get an answer. Um, <laughs> some, some investigative research on that Atlanta money line. This one was a, you know, you, you throw some money line shots out there sometimes like plus 300 or something. You got, you got to try them here and there. So that one, did, that one didn't hit. Uh, and then, but the over, the reason I was willing to do Atlanta money line was because I was very confident in the over at 47 and a half. So it was like looking at the single game aspect, you're breaking even almost if they don't hit the money line, if they do, you're really in the green. Houston plus seven and a half. JRE talked about a little. Houston kept that game close through like the mid third quarter, and then the Raiders just pulled away on them. Um, but they they looked like they were going to cover for a while. And then I put out on Twitter one of the reasons you got to go follow on Twitter. I put out live as soon as KC went down ten points, hit that KC spread. Yeah, I man. hit the money line as well. I'm not including it in this. It was like plus two fifty. But Pat Mahomes down 10 in the first quarter, always hit it. Always, always, always hit that bet. Pat Mahomes has the fourth best winning percentage in NFL history. When you only look at the games where he was down double digits. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. He, he wins more often than he loses when he's down double digits. It's just, it's utterly insane. Since he's entered the league, he has the highest winning percentage followed by Aaron Rodgers, then Tom Brady. Then in fourth place is Patrick Mahomes down by double digits. It's incredible. All right. You want to jump into next week? Absolutely. Talk about love and the board. This board right here. This board. Uh, I don't even think all my bets are on that board. This board is the board of all boards. This is the week. We're going to go undefeated. I have no doubt in my mind we're going to go undefeated this week. So easy. Seeing the board so clearly. We know who these teams are. We know who's. We know the frauds. We know the contenders. We know the pretenders. We know all of it. Um, getting us started out for Thursday night football, we have maybe the fraudulent Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus a Baltimore Ravens team who is absolutely abysmal in the fourth quarter. And you know who's not bad in the fourth quarter, Tom Brady. But who might be bad is Tom Brady, so we don't know. But 
give me Tom Brady. Give me the Tampa Bay Buccaneers right here. Give me them plus one and a half. Kind of like the money line, too. I'll probably end up just taking the money line with you at 105. But we're both on the same side here. So let me let me get your read on it. Yeah, so I actually, I bet plus 1.5 first. And I was like, why the hell am I doing that? I'm just going to do money line. So I changed my bet on here to money line. I mean, what we know about Thursday night football, home team wins 6% of the time. You add in Tom Brady on that and Baltimore having to travel down to Florida for it. I just, I, I think Tampa at home is an easy play here. Absolutely. And then we'll do, let's do New England versus the New York football jets next North football jets. So we've said on this podcast can be frisky. Brees Hall looking like a top five running back in the league turns his ACL out for the season. Now they go out and trade for James Robinson, but they do have Michael Carter in that backfield who looked phenomenal for him last year, which is why I was kind of shocked. They got Brees Hall when they did. And I was thinking, like, before the draft, I loved Brees Hall. And then he went to New York, and I was like, well, splitting time with Michael Carter. Don't love him as much in that in that backfield. And he was just absolutely dominating. But Michael Carter's still a very, very good running back for him. So they might still be frisky, but they did just lose Elijah Vera Tucker, who was playing very, very good for him at that guard spot out for the season, I believe. So big, big blow for New York losing those two guys new england coming off an absolutely embarrassing performance got absolutely shit pumped by the chicago bears one of the best teams in football but we're in the hunt man i like new england to come back big here i like bill belichick come back with a vengeance playing against a franchise that he's owned throughout his entire career i like mac jones in this game to come back and put up a, a competent performance and get that New England fan base back on his side a little bit. So yeah, New England going on the road to New York here. This is another one. I'm minus one and a half. Take the money line either way. You're probably you'll probably be minus one fifteen, minus one twenty. Um if you're scared about the Jets somehow keeping this close. But no Brees Hall, no Lachavera Tucker with the way Zach Wilson's been playing football. I just I don't see how New England doesn't cover one and a half here. So I love New England minus one and a half. What you got? Scared of the Jets taking flight. <laughs> Is that what you're scared of with the Jets? Yeah. Uh, I got New England minus one. I I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I am very confident that Bill Belichick's teams have historically bounced back from embarrassing losses very, very strongly. Um, Well-coached team. They're always well-disciplined. I think they really overlooked the Bears. It didn't seem like their scheme was as as top notch. But did as, you know that said about before or after the game? Before the game. Oh yeah, he said the nicest things about every single player. On he said he's yeah. So they didn't underestimate him. They underestimated. Like their scheme was a lot. It seemed a lot more vanilla than it usually is. I think that they kind of took it as an off week, and they will not make that same mistake two weeks in a row. No, they will not. Yeah, I love New England in this spot. I don't like the New England offense, but Jets' defense is pretty nasty. But I I think they get that running game back on track. And 
I think. And I just don't trust that. I, I think Bill Belichick's going to get Zach Wilson to make some killer mistakes. I agree. That's really where, where I think this game heads. I agree 100%. All right, moving on. We'll do Tennessee versus Houston. Tennessee is starting to put a stranglehold on this division. I think it continues this week. I love Tennessee minus two and a half here. Going to the Houston Texans. Uh, Houston, I mean, they they don't look bad, but they don't win games. So I think they're a team on the cusp. I mean, they have a lot of draft picks coming up. I think I think they draft well. They can be right on track here the next couple of years. I liked them in the offseason. I thought they could be a frisky team, maybe even compete this year. Looks like I was probably about a year early on that take because they're, they're a couple pieces away and a decent quarterback away from being – a strong competitor in that division, but Tennessee King Henry's rolling. Ryan Tannehill doesn't look great. Don't matter. Uh, well, once Derrick Henry gets rolling down downhill, tractor seat season, baby. Uh, Tennessee is a hard, hard team to beat. And then we saw a little bit of Malik Willis last week. I actually didn't see any of the plays that he ran. I just saw that he was in the game. And then by the time I put the game on, it was already Tannehill back, so I don't know how many snaps he took or what he did. Don't matter. Still love Tennessee here. Minus two and a half. Also taking the over in this spot. I think Tennessee's defense can give a little bit up to Damian Pierce and that Texans offense. I think Texans can score 14 to 17, and I think Tennessee can get well over 20, so give me over 40 and a half in this game. Um, what are your thoughts? So, I actually – I bet this – initially and had it on my board and then I saw something that made me think that there was quarterback questions up in the air like Tannehill might be hurt or something and I just I wiped it off I'd already placed the bet but I wiped it off my board just because I want some more certainty around knowing who's going to play quarterback before I put it out there Um, I might put it back on come Sunday I've already got the ticket at two and a half so we'll see but my initial thoughts were Tannehill starting this this seems like a good bet to me the only reason I took it off is because I think that Houston secondary has actually been pretty good this year and I think they toy some with Malik Willis yeah um yeah Derek Signley looks all right he doesn't look damn near as close as good as to Sauce Gardner which still pisses me off because I had Sauce Gardner as the first corner off the board at like minus 105 in the draft and Derek Stingley went ahead of him. Still makes me upset. I think Sauce Gardner's upset. That same bet too. He is he has been on a tear. And Derek Stingley is not bad. Don't get me wrong. But he's not Sauce Gardner. And he will never be Sauce Gardner. And that sucks for him because no matter how good he is, if anytime he gives up a play in the same week that Sauce is going off, that's all you're gonna think about as a Texans fan. Yeah, I, I still I'm still shocked that they took they took Stingley over Sauce. He's he's been good. I mean, but yeah. Sauce is, I mean, Sauce already looks like a top five quarter in the league. He's a one, baby. A one, a one, baby. But yeah, love Tennessee in the spot here. Tractor Cito season. Don't care who's playing quarterback. Give me give me Tennessee. Um, do you want? What do you want next? Uh, let's talk San Fran. Let's talk San Fran. Okay. So this is a system play for me. And by system, I mean the system of 
Kyle Shanahan owning Sean McVay. And that's about all I have to say about this game. I mean, Christian McCaffrey's there. Debo Samuel's there. Brandon Ayuk's there. They got all the dudes. Jimmy G's there. Kittle seems like he's finally getting it rolling. I mean, weapons all over the place. I think Trent Williams came back last week after missing a couple games. One of the best tackles in the league. Uh, Jeff Wilson is technically still there. They're getting Elijah Mitchell back here pretty soon. Don't even know where he's going to be. They, I mean, just team loaded, loaded with talent against a bad Rams team and a Rams team that Kyle Shanahan absolutely owns. So, yeah, give me the 49ers here, minus one and a half. Uh, I, I don't know why this line is one and a half. I mean, I might be missing something. Maybe they're just assuming somehow the Rams are going to go trade like for three more top guys somehow and pay them all a lot of money. But like, I don't, I don't know who the Rams could go get that would. I mean, I don't, I don't get it. I feel like the 49ers should be a, a three point favorite in this game easily. So maybe it's a little ratty. I don't know, but it's Kyle Shanahan against the Rams. Give me Kyle Shanahan. My my instinct was the same as yours here. Um, I thought about taking this one, but I want to see their injury. I want to see San Francisco's injury report before I bet it. And I want to see the Rams injury report coming off the bye before I bet it because the Ram, maybe the Rams are getting someone back. Maybe San Fran has someone. Who did the Rams lose? I mean, they don't have an offensive line, but yeah, their entire offensive line went down. But I mean, I still feel like whether they're still on their third string offensive line or all of their day one starters are back. I mean, they. I don't feel like that makes a difference, really. And I know Bosa's healthy. I know Warner's healthy. But so Bosa was banged up. I think he was questionable last week. So I like I, I want to see how these guys are if they're limited participants, full participants, not participating. You know, there's like they're if their D line is healthy. I like the Rams or the 49ers. Yeah. If if their D line is healthy, I like the 49ers here. But I, I want to see that injury report first. Yeah, I mean, I agree. But I mean, I I mean, it's it's Kyle Shanahan versus Sean McVay, and I don't really I don't really care about the rosters too much. Uh, 49ers are and they got dudes everywhere. So the the other factor that might even outweigh it all for me is that. This is going to be the first game where they have a full week of game planning for McCaffrey. I don't think that really matters. I think it does. He only ran the ball eight times last week. Are you talking about the 49ers? Yeah. I thought you were talking about the Rams yeah. having a full week. No, to game I mean, plan I mean having – no, Shanahan having a full week of install with Christian yeah, McCaffrey. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that – I mean, that definitely changes things. I mean, so we didn't even get to talk about that trade last week, so – on paper, I mean, it's fantastic. What they gave up for him is kind of ridiculous considering you you look at that team, you look at the roster composition, it's like, yeah, I mean, he's good. He is Christian McCaffrey, but it's almost like, where does he fit? He, I mean, he's he's a faster, shiftier version of Debo Samuel. So Debo can line up in the backfield and he can play the slot just as good as uh, Debo lining up in the in the slot and him in the backfield. I mean, they they got they can do things like that, but it's a lot of gimmicky stuff. I feel like they can do when I don't feel like they need to do that kind of stuff with the talent they already have, and they go and just give up the entire future. 
I think this is a win now move. I don't think that Shanahan believes that they can get it done with Trey Lance. He wants to get it done with Jimmy G. He wants to prove that he can get it done with Jimmy G. And I think this move reflects that because yeah, you you look at you look at what the 49ers can do with running backs and you're like, oh yeah, Christian McCaffrey definitely makes sense. But then you look at their history of success at running back and it I mean it's a plug and play guys off the street type and they don't really have that much success with going out and Shanahan like getting his guy like all the best guys in the Shanahan run game for San Fran have been second or third tier players or what should have been second and third tier players that stepped up to the FAs yeah that stepped up to the plate and made a difference and then every guy that Shanahan has gone out of his way to make sure was on the team hasn't worked out in one way or the other and yeah so it's, it's it's one of those things where it's a little like as soon as you hear about it you're like oh yeah this I mean McCaffrey could have an MVP type second half of the season but at the same time it's like well I mean Devo still gotta get the ball I still gotta get the ball still have Kittle Elijah Mitchell's coming back eventually. Jeff Wilson was playing very, very good for him. So it's like where McCaffrey definitely fits, but it's like for what you gave up for him, was it worth it? I mean, you could, could, could you have gone out and got another defensive player or maybe the second I saw this trade, I was like, I, the the gears just started turning in my head. Like, is Shannon gonna be there next year? Is like he's given up a lot for this year to buy into his backup quarterback. Doesn't sell like doesn't really give a whole lot of confidence to what they yeah, believe about trade lines. And the other thing that that the only other thing that really made sense to me is like, are they gonna get another veteran quarterback who they really trust then? Or like is Tom Brady going there? Yeah, Tom Brady is the yeah. That's that's what we talked about too. Tom Brady makes the most sense. He'll be a free agent at the end of the season. Hometown team. If Tom Brady goes to that team, I mean, he fits in. There's not a better. There's not a team in the NFL with a better roster makeup right now as it stands than Tom Brady. A team that can run the ball well. A team that has a good tight end that can help in the run game, but can also be a reliable safety net. You have a go up and get it type guy with Brandon Ayuk that can catch anything. You have a Debo Samuel guy who can do anything you want on top of Christian McCaffrey, on top of a good offensive line, and on top of the, all of that as a team that can play good defense. I mean, it's 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 the perfect Cinderella glass slipper, slipper fit for Tom Brady. A single guy who's going through a divorce, moving out to California, uh, probably buy a surfboard. I don't know. What, I don't know what he'll do as a single guy, but yeah, I mean, it's the perfect fit for Tom Brady. So it's either it's either Shanahan's gone or they're getting Brady. And those are the only two things that make sense to me. Yeah, I mean, we're on the same page. It was just, the gears started and, turning in my head the second I saw this. Like, why would we, they give up that much for this? We year? talked about it last week and we were discussing if somebody would give up a first round pick. Like, they gave up the equivalent of like a first and a fourth. Yeah, I, th- I think the equivalent by uh, the uh, Fitzgerald Spielberger draft chart was like the number five overall pick for all those picks, which yeah. isn't exactly I, like, I mean, I, that- I saw what I saw was essentially 
they're projected around the 25 to 28 range, but they don't have their first round pick. So it would have been the equivalent of them giving up their first round pick, picking in the mid to late 20s with a fourth round pick. It's kind of is what I saw. I think that was on the like the Jimmy Johnson like points chart or whatever. Yeah, and the Jimmy Johnson one is very different than the other one I referenced. Um, yeah, but but they don't have uh, their first round pick. But yeah, yeah, they gave up more than what they only have like thought, four draft picks left. For yeah, year. <laughs> Two I mean the Rams, Rams did it. Six and a seventh or something like that. the Rams did it, but they didn't do it with Jimmy G. <laughs> yeah. It's it's interesting, man. It's interesting. Um, I mean, do you think they could run like they could create such a diverse run offense with Trey Lance and McCaffrey and Debo that they feel confident in? Like, I don't. With how bad Trey Lance was looking before he got hurt, I wouldn't be confident in even putting him out the field. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they would. They could probably be better off just there's there's gonna be like eleven quarterbacks in this draft that had the talent to start in an NFL scheme and the right system probably up until the fourth or fifth round. I mean, the draft is so deep. I wouldn't be surprised if they go get a guy in the third round that beats out Lance third or fourth, another, whenever they pick uh, no, another uh, CJ beat hard. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, you look across the landscape of the cut, like there's 13 quarterbacks probably coming in that are, Probably like, out of those thirteen, I would say eleven of them are just as good or better than any quarterback that was in the draft this past year. Yeah, this past <laughs> year was pretty rough. Yeah, so I mean, we're talking about like, and what is that deep? Is like you look across the NFL, and I mean, there's going to be guys that would have been probably in that Malik Willis range where. Yeah, he went in the third round, but it's like he Kenny Pickett went in the first, and you're gonna have guys on the same level as Kenny Pickett going in the fourth and fifth next year, in my opinion. So I think they could find somebody if they want. Yeah, maybe. But yeah, I have no idea what they're doing. But Shanahan, as as much as the genius as he gets credit for, like. He really hasn't been able to put it all together. He's a great coach. He's one of those guys where if you're a team like the Bears or the Lions or the Jaguars or the Texans, you're like, this guy's really good. He he makes NFC, I mean, even the Cowboys, like he makes NFC championships. He makes Super Bowls. Like he gets there, but it's like he just has like a mental block. Like he just, he just can't, just can't seal the, the deal. Constantly. He's like your drunk friend who's like super smooth at the bar who can go up and talk to anybody and everybody's like, oh, dude, this guy's like the coolest dude ever. And then like he gets you into all the parties and everything or talks to all the all the girls and everything. And then you're you're around him for like half the night, three quarters of the night. And then by the end of the night, like he's fighting the owner of the house or wherever you're at or like getting in a fight with a bartender <laughs> or spilling a drink on like a group of girls just like that guy <laughs> it was great until it wasn't <laughs> yeah it's like he's it's all there for him until it comes time to like go home and then it, just it all, all falls crashes apart. down it never <laughs> it ends all, well all crashes in his face exactly 
but we we went off on a tangent there. <laughs> but he does own Sean McVay. 49ers minus one and a half. Christian McCaffrey. Maybe good. Maybe good. <laughs> I don't know. Is it, we don't even know if Christian McCaffrey's good anymore. We didn't even talk about that. He looked we assume good. that he's good. Carolina still this year. Yeah, I mean, but so did Chuba Hubbard and Dante Foreman this past week. Yeah, they did. I don't think that's going to keep going, though. <laughs> I mean, maybe not, but I mean, we we haven't seen anything from Christian McCaffrey basically since 2019. So, and he's a aging running, aging veteran running back who, historically speaking, outside of Adrian Peterson in the last 20 years, doesn't age well. Yeah. No, you're right about that. I mean, he's looked good so far this year, but it's still a big question mark. Not even halfway through the season. Yep. All right. Uh, let's see. What, what game you want to hit next? Cincinnati-Cleveland? Uh, let's do that last because it's Monday. Okay. What do you want? Carolina-Atlanta? Let's do it. Carolina-Atlanta. All right, boys. Dead Cat Bounce versus the Dirty Birds. I, I was on the Dirty Birds, then I wasn't. Then I was back on my bullshit. Then I was off the bullshit. And then I said Carolina wasn't good. Their coach wasn't good. And then bet against them. And then they beat me. And then last week, bet against them. And then they beat me. And then I don't bet on Atlanta when they cover. Then I bet on Atlanta and they do cover. So this week, I'm crisscross applesauce and myself. And I'm taking Carolina money line because I wanted to take Atlanta, but then I was like, if I take Atlanta, it's always the opposite of what I think is going to happen. So I big brain myself, fade myself here, taking the Carolina Panthers money line plus 175. Donta Foreman, PJ Walker, DJ Moore, all the dudes. They got dudes on their team. Tuba Hubbard. They got dudes everywhere. They have a good offensive line. They have a good defensive line. JC Horn looks good. They're all good. Carolina Moneyline boy, plus 175. Dirty Birds can't get it done. Dirty Birds look like they're going to be able to get it done. Marcus Mariota is terrible. Tyler Algier looks pretty good. I'll give him that. But Drake London has been not good here lately. They have what people assume to be a really good tight end that doesn't get any targets like their defense hasn't looked all that great so yeah give me carolina money line here lock it in yeah i mean i i'm on atlanta minus four and a half i i think carolina had a nice bounce last week a very surprising game where your best player just got traded. Your head coach just got fired the week before and everyone realizes, oh shit, my job's on the line right now. I don't Either think that or they're like, that oh, lasts shit, it's, much more than it's a my, week or two. It's my time to step up. Yeah, or it's my opportunity to shine. Like my job's on the line or it's my opportunity to earn a spot in this league. I think that only lasts for so long until you only have a week or two. DJ and Moore looked good last week. He's a bad team. That's DJ Moore. Yeah, he did look good. He's trying to get out of there. <laughs> I don't think so. I think he's there for the long haul. Um, 
if this team goes out there, I don't. This team's gonna win their way out of the CJ Stroud Bryce Young debate, though. That's gonna suck for them. But oh, you, you might be right. That would be that. That'd just be very fitting for this uh, team that, to do. They could. I guess they could go get Hendon Hooker. Yeah. Who doesn't? Um, I mean, Carolina and Hookers. Nothing goes better together. I always say. But generally speaking. I I mean, and maybe this has changed with Steve Wilkes as head coach now, because I do respect him. But Carolina has just seemed like a team for me. He's just a good defensive co- uh, defensive coordinator. Oh, uh, yeah, I guess. So he comes from the Ron Rivera tree, and I, I think he he brings some traits from that that are pretty solid as far as holding guys accountable and just general team toughness. Because where I was going with that was. Under Matt Rule, Panthers have just seemed like a soft team to me. And Arthur Smith has turned this Atlanta team into anything but that. They're going to get as physical with you as any team in the NFL. And that's something that I like to bet on. I'll take the, I'll take the more physical team in a, in a battle of two bad teams. So I think this is the battle for Hooker. Because I think both of these teams are going to win their way out of the, the Stroud-Young competition. So... This, this is the battle for a hooker. <laughs> Wait, for hooker or for a hooker? Both. Hendon Hooker <laughs> is a hooker. That's that's true. Is he related just, to just like, just like his daddy before him and his daddy before him. They were all hookers. That That's a very astute observation. Oh, so, battle for the hooker. We're, we're putting our stamp of hookers on this game. This is the first time... The state of North Carolina, or is it South Carolina? North Carolina? North. North. The state of North Carolina goes against the state of Georgia for a hooker. <laughs> from Tennessee. First time. A hooker from Tennessee <laughs> for the first time ever. <laughs> Put it on the banner, sell the t shirts. But yeah, like Carolina, you're on Atlanta. Dirty Birds versus the Dirty Cats. Love to see it. Moving on to our next one here. We have Miami versus Detroit. We have just a lot of dudes in this game. A lot of dudes on offense. You got you got Tua Tungabaloa, who doesn't know how to slide, who just tries to run over guys like Devin Bush, running 150 miles an hour. You have a Monroe St. Brown, who, under the new concussion rules, got pulled last week past concussion protocol and just didn't get to play the rest of the game. DeAndre Swift may be back. We don't know. Raheem Mostert looks phenomenal in that backfield for Miami. And then they just stopped giving him the ball halfway through the game against the Steelers, which made no sense. Gotta keep him fresh. Like, he was he was destroying the Steelers and they're like, well, let's just give the ball to Chase Edmonds and just completely ruin the flow of their offense. Jalen Water looks incredible. Tyreek Hill looks incredible. I mean, I don't know. I just see points in this game. I see this game, and I just see points. I don't know why it's a three-point line. Maybe. I don't know if it's the bookmakers respecting Detroit more than we think they do or disrespecting Miami. But I don't know which one it is. But either way, I'm taking taking the over 51 and a half here. Yeah, I thought this this was going to be closer to a five-point line. So three and a half shocked me. But yeah, I'm taking over 51 and a half. I think both these teams can score. I think the Lions, after going 
basically back-to-back weeks, essentially getting shut out. They're going to figure something out. I think that offensive line is going to get nasty with it. I think they're going to run the ball well. I think I think Monroe St. Brown will come back in a big way this week. Look for him to get about eight or nine catches for 126 yards and two touchdowns. TJ Hawkinson might get going too for him. Josh Reynolds, who didn't have a – I think he had one catch last week. I think he can get going. Jamal Williams has fumbles in back-to-back games when he didn't – I don't think he had a single – or one fumble in his entire career leading up to this year. I like Jamal Williams to have a big game. If DeAndre Swift comes back, we know that boy can run the ball. So, yeah. I, I, yeah, give me over 51 and a half here. I think that's a solid bet. I mean, I, I considered that one, but I just don't trust Detroit's offense right now. I need to see a little more from them before I'm willing to, to bet an over like that again. And maybe that's that's my flaw on it because that, you know, you have a lot of bets with that type of mentality. But I just – yeah. Uh, their their offense has been abysmal the last two weeks, and I need to dig. I've been into good their, about their injury reports. Yeah, I, I need to dig into their injury reports more before of what I, the past few weeks have been for me personally. Before I would take it. Fair, but yeah, I just see. I mean, whenever you look at a or two rosters together. And you're like, okay, so both quarterbacks have the potential to throw a pick six. And there's six guys in this game that could take it to the house at any given time. Like, yeah, give me the over. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I like the logic. I, I, I'm right there with you. I'm think, like, thinking that that's a, that's a solid, solid way to think about it. But I just need to see what Detroit has been missing the last two games more before I'm buying it completely. Understandable. All right, going to the last game on my card. We have the Dallas Cowboys with just an absolutely ferocious defense going against the best offense in football right now, the hottest team in football, the best second-year quarterback in the NFL right now, Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears. Lining up for an all-time classic. I have Dallas minus nine in this game, and let me tell you why. Bears offensive line is absolutely trash. Jonathan's go, Cowboys go out today and sign Jonathan Hankins. Sure up an already amazing defensive line. Sam Williams, two sacks, nine pressures, four tackles, four loss this year. Looking like he could be defensive rookie of the year right now, him and Sauce Gardner. Looking absolutely incredible off that edge. Not to mention Demarcus Lawrence, one of the best run stuffing defensive ends in the entire league playing very very well right now also rushing the passer very well not even including Micah Parsons who's an absolute stud probably defensive player of the year right now I don't even think it's that close then line that up with the Cowboys secondary who's just playing at a phenomenal level right now Trevon Diggs playing absolutely out of his mind allowed one catch for two yards last week had an interception has 17 interceptions in 35 games throughout his career absolute stud absolute animal of a corner opposite of anthony brown who's been playing out of his mind two safeties that come up in the box play the run play the pass this cowboys defense is stupid good they get after you justin fields takes way too many sacks as it is this dallas defense might sack him 17 times 
Cowboys minus nine. I don't know. I don't have a whole lot of faith in their offense. I wouldn't be surprised if the Cowboys defense can score 14 points by themselves in this game, not to mention their special teams on top of that, which is very, very dangerous as well. So with all that said, I don't think, I don't think the Bears score more than 10. So I'm assuming the Cowboys get to 20 in some form or another. So give me the Cowboys minus nine. I'm on the other side of this. I got the, so I will say if the line was nine when I took it, I wouldn't have bet it, but it was 10. Bears plus 10. I think after the offense got some momentum going yet last night and this defense, they're going to limit you. They're, I mean, they're not great, but they're not going to give you many big plays. So you're going to have to dink and dunk the whole game and actually keep the score low. I think that is enough to get the Bears to cover 10. That alone right there. I mean, they might not, I don't think the Bears are going to score a whole lot in this game. I'm actually very concerned for Justin Fields' health on Sunday. But who's your backup? Oh, t- uh, what's his name? Uh, Trevor Simeon. Oh, just that would be him. ugly. That would be just ugly. Start, just start Trevor Simeon. Say, say At the least kid. Fields is fast behind this O-line. Save but the kid. Ultimately, the Bears might have the best rushing offense in the NFL right now. And they're using it very, like yesterday. They used it very, very intelligently. And I if they the keep evolving struggled, that. The Cowboys struggled very, very much against the Philadelphia Eagles in the second half against the read option. And Justin Phillips can run the read option fairly well. So I think. Yeah, the Bears had might, to use. Sorry. That might be the only thing that could keep keep the defense on the field without forcing turnovers or anything. I don't I don't even know if the Bears run a read option, but Justin Fields is a quarterback that can run it. He did it in college for two years. So, so they barely ran it at all until last night. They stole a bunch of stuff from the Ravens playbook last night for read option. Yeah. And they used it very, very effectively. If they didn't do that last night, I wouldn't be on the Bears on this bet. Like, them adding the read option as a key element to their offense is a big, big element of my bet here. Because it just, it changes everything for their offense. Not that they're going to go make the playoffs. Not that they're going to win this game. But I think... Well, they're going to win their division. They're going to win their division. They're going to probably go 10-7, and uh, make the playoffs pretty easily. But yeah, I mean, I I don't really care who the Cowboys play right now. They're a much better team with Dak at the helm than they were with Cooper Rush. They were in it all the way up until the end with Philadelphia Eagles, who are the best team in the NFC right now. I don't even think it's questionable. And they took them to the wire with a really, really bad quarterback in Cooper Rush. I'm not saying Dak is great. I'm not saying the offense is all of a sudden going to be at humming. But until somebody can figure out this defense, I mean, we've only allowed one touchdown, more than one touchdown in a game all year, and that was the Philly game, where two of their touchdowns they got the ball on their side of the field, and outside of that, they only took, they only got, they only scored one touchdown going the the distance of the field. Other than that, they're the only team so far this year that has scored more than one touchdown against this defense. So, yeah, the Bears might not score in the red zone once this game. I mean. I really have very little faith in the Bears' Bears offense in this game in the red zone. 
just because that defense backed up in tight tight area, I don't think is going to be good. But say something nice I about think Sam Williams. Trey, I think oh, Sam Williams is looking good, man. Yes, He's looking sir. very good. Uh, I caught a few glimpses of him on Red Zone last past week, and it was like it's incredible. Okay, um, it's incredible. Yeah, like, but the thing is, though. Trayvon Diggs has a tendency to give up big plays and make big plays. Not this year. Pearson probably going to hit a deep ball in this game somewhere. He hasn't given up a big play once this year. Well, put it on the board this week. As long as it's Mooney, I don't care. Justin Fields might die on the play, but he he's nearly died a bunch this year making big throws. So, <laughs> What's going to happen is that Mooney's going to run a stop and go. Diggs is going to go to cut it. Mooney's going to be running wide ass open, 30 yards down the field, and Justin Fields is going to throw it into the stands. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. If you say so. (laughs) Did you see the the throw last night on like the 30 down the right sideline? man. It's a wet football. It'll be Completely wet in changes too. in a dome. Completely changes in a dome. It'll be wet in Dallas, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. You guys are just going to be soaking the balls overnight. Well, it's just going to be for all the fans just so moist in the in the stadium watching watching that defense get sweaty. <laughs> okay. If that's the case, then maybe maybe he'll he'll miss it. Like it's, right. it's actually I was talking to someone earlier today, and it's it's like it's pretty clearly an issue. Justin Fields with a wet football is a pretty clear issue right now. Like Which his accuracy shocking. just falls off the tip. Like it just drops way down. Which is shocking growing up in Georgia and playing in the Big Ten. Like yeah. it rains in Georgia a lot. And then the Big Ten has some of the most shit weather in college football. But the Bears are building a dome. So who cares? <laughs> if Justin Fields is still there by then. He'll probably. Oh, he! I, you he, kidding me? He'll be one of Bears ownership had just put hung a bunch of posters on their wall of him because he kept Bill Belichick from breaking Hallis's record yesterday. And that same <laughs> Bill Belichick will be winning Super Bowls with Justin Fields in three years. That's how much faith. Years, I, maybe that's how much you think they're going to get that stadium built in I three bet. years. Wait, what does that have to do with Justin Fields being a bear? I said three years, maybe. I was talking like one to two years. He just bought himself by winning last night. But oh, uh, I mean, I think I think he could be winning Super Bowls in New England two years from now. Yeah, I think he's going to play out his rookie contract with the Bears. Oh, I wouldn't put that much faith into the Bears, but especially with how he looked last night, <sighs> he's fun. I like Justin Fields. Game, best game I've ever seen a quarterback play for my team. Cuddy had some games. He had some games, but not against those type of defenses. <laughs> Are the Patriots' defense good? Top five. Pretty much every stat category. Who have they played? Uh, I don't remember, but they played the Ravens. They gave a lot to the Ravens, though. They played Miami. They played. I don't remember. They played Miami with Tua. Yeah, week one. Um, Held him to seventeen points. 
That defense is nasty, man. I I spent oh, uh, I spent days last week watching film on them. They are nasty. I'm not buying it. Frauds. I'm putting the fraud label on the <laughs> the Packers and well, the Patriots. I'm all for that. <laughs> Packers are bad. We fun didn't, we didn't fun fact. The Packers. Fun fact: Last night, the Bears retook the all-time NFL win stat from the Packers. Yeah, after they were tied for four weeks. Yep. Because the Packers haven't won in four weeks. I know. And it's beautiful. And they've lost to the Giants, the Jets, and who did they just lose to? Washington. Washington. <laughs> 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 Giants, Jets, what a... What a murderer's row of teams. The Washington football team commanders. <laughs> the New York Jets and New York Giants. I know. Can I actually... Probably. So that actually reminds me of something, though. Like, Oh, man. it's None of those teams are good. Like, the Giants have a good record, but yeah. they're not good. Jets have yeah. a good record, and they're not good. And Washington doesn't have a good record, and they're not good. <laughs> Taylor Hanneke's yeah. playing quarterback for them again. This is the third time Taylor Heineke's been the starting quarterback for the Washington Football Redskins Commanders, and he can't keep the job, and he still goes out there and beats Aaron Rodgers. Also, Aaron Rodgers is like 0-5 in his lifetime against Washington and Washington, which is really? crazy. I didn't know that. Yeah. That is wild. <laughs> so, I heard a theory today about um, how, much, how much defensives have – kind of evolved into so much man-match zone coverage, like the Vic Fangio-type schemes. It's, it's all based around the man-match concepts, which is essentially a man zone. Like, you know, there's drop spot zones yeah. where it's like you're dropping to a spot and that's your zone, and there's man-match zones where you have man responsibilities within your zone. And with how much that has come into play it's made wide receiver play that much more important because your wide receiver needs to be able to beat man coverage on every snap on some level. And always, and receivers have just become more important as that's become more prevalent because of that. Also, the easiest, Not every receiver is that good against man coverage. Also, the easiest position to find in the NFL right now is a receiver, which the Packers just somehow can't do. Uh, I like Romeo Dubs. I like Christian Watson. I'm not sure I like Christian Watson anymore. I think I was wrong about him. I like Lazard. Lazard's fine. Lazard's been good enough for them. But he's an average receiver. He's good enough. But you need like basically you need you need game changing guys at the receiver position now. Like Aaron Jones. Man match. <laughs> the running back. Yeah, they don't I don't understand why they don't run the ball. Yeah. I mean that. You have AJ yes. Dillon, you have Aaron Jones, no receivers, and you don't run the ball. I mean, I don't know how the run blocking is right now. Doesn't matter. Line's kind of a mess. Doesn't matter. Got to try. Yeah. I mean, you talk about a bad O line who's running the ball well. Look at the Bears. Well, that's what I'm saying though. I don't know how they're run blocking. Maybe they're better. They're more pass blocking guys. Guys who are more like more geared towards finesse pass blocking than power run blocking. They only ran the ball 12 times last game. 
Oh god, I didn't know that. Okay, you're right. <laughs> Twelve is not enough. Yeah. It was a close game, like and yeah, no. <laughs> AJ Dillon with no offensive line in front of him could probably average two yards a carry. Yeah. You're right. AJ <laughs> Aaron Jones is averaging like five and a half yards to carry this year. Yeah, not getting the ball. And neither is AJ Dillon. Okay. You're I, had, right. I had Aaron Jones as my top rated running back in fantasy coming into the year because I was like, they don't have receivers. Somebody's got to get the ball on an Aaron Rodgers offense. And last week, what what happened last week? What Aaron Jones did last week, catching the ball, I thought was going to be all season on top of about 70 rushing yards a game. And it just hasn't been. He had like eight catches for 87 yards and a touchdown last week. Put up wide receiver numbers with like five carries for 28 yards. Stupid. Yeah, that is. Fire Matt LaFleur. Okay. Neither one of us have this game. What do you have in that game? Bills minus 11. Bills Packers. I I had a hard time passing on that game. On the, on the Packers, and I did because I think the Bills are going to win by like three scores. But like, it's hard to believe that Aaron Rodgers is going to lose by three scores. It's hard to believe Aaron Rodgers is going to lose five sh- or four straight. Yeah, but I mean, how many games does Aaron Rodgers have to lose before you, as a Bears fan, can actually be like? Because I remember what was it, twenty sixteen. The real REL and relax. You're on the table. Um, how many? How many do they have to lose before we can bury them? Because that was the same year that the Cowboys with Dak Prescott started out nine and 10 and whatever the fuck it was, and then we lose the one seed at the end of the year. No, or we get the one seed, whatever it was. Then Aaron Rodgers and Mason Crossbar, who's like the worst kicker in the league, except when he plays Dallas. Just hits every 60-yard field goal known to man. Aaron Rodgers can hit a guy like running the opposite direction of him on the sideline on a dime for 47 yards to set up a game-winning field goal. Whatever it is, I hated that year. I thought the Packers were done. And then they could just go out there and ball out. Like, this isn't that team. But when when can we bury the Packers? How many more losses so we can bury the Packers? Because I'm so ready to bury the Packers. Like I just to be clear, I'm just holding a shovel full of dirt right now, ready to bury motherfucking Aaron Rodgers. Just to be clear, you're talking about the year where the Bears played the Packers in Week 17 for the division title, and the Bears lost on a hail mary, and the Packers went to the playoffs and the Bears did right. I thought that was the year they lost. They beat it was the, the year Lions. where Rodgers ran the table. I thought that was the year they beat the Lions in the first round of the playoffs. Probably. That was probably the same year. NFC North had three teams, I think. Oh. I didn't know the NFC North had three teams. I just remember yeah. the first round because I know we I, – I think we were going to play the winner of Lions-Bears no matter what. Or maybe we were going to play – it was either that or we were going to play Atlanta. I can't remember. The scenario, but yeah, I yeah, I don't think I don't think y'all would have had the uh, had the Lions. Y'all y'all had the Packers, but you wouldn't have had the Lions. I, I think it was either Atlanta or Green Bay going into that game. Yeah, um, then the next year Atlanta went on to the Super Bowl, I believe. I can't remember, but yeah. but to to answer your question, 
Aaron Rodgers needs to have worse stats than the Bears quarterback. That's when I'll bury him. I'm just talking about this season. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is done forever. I don't think he's going to end his career as a Packer. But when can we bury Aaron Rodgers this season? Because the Cowboys are good this season. And every time we're good, we lose to Aaron Rodgers. When can we bury Aaron Rodgers this season? When they're eliminated from the playoffs. I need more I need more help than that. That's what he's hey, you can't count the guy out till he's eliminated. Like, okay. That's what he's proven over his career. Let's look let's look at divisions. The West is getting two teams at least. Assuming I mean, you gotta assume the 49ers get in there and Seattle's playing too good not to say they don't get two teams. I don't know. Is the East gonna get three? No, probably not. I think that I think the Giants are bad. You don't think they can win four more games the rest of the year? That would put it at 10, wouldn't it? <sighs> yeah, maybe that's it. I think the East is getting three. And so, do I think the Packers can win the division from Minnesota? Not really. No, probably not. Minnesota, like, it would be a hell of a comeback. South is only getting one. So, yeah, it, it it's going to fall on Seattle and San Francisco. Yeah. To keep them out. Or the Bears. <laughs> or the got Bears. Got the same record as the Packers hey, right now. You got to beat them, though. They have the tiebreaker. Right now, we got another game. Don't worry. We got a game at Soldier Field for that. Oh, Soldier Field. I mean, you, you want to play Justin Fields at Soldier Field late in the season when you just told me he can't play in bad weather? I say he can't play in rain. Snow's not rain. I guess not, technically. <laughs> All right, uh, let's get on to our last game and get into college football. We have uh, Cincinnati Bengals, Joe Burrow, slinging that rock all around the field. Him and Jamar Chase back at it again, looking like the duo that we saw last season. Offensive lines finally starting to gel together, just like Kyle Long said they would. Kyle Long at the beginning of the season when everybody was roasting that offensive line. Said, give them to about week six or seven. That offensive line is going to be just fine. They're going to start getting things rolling. That's exactly what happened. As You know who as, else said that? As a bald guy, I think Kyle Long is very, very intelligent. So that prediction looks like it's coming true. And the Cleveland you football. You know another bald guy who said that? Brian Baldinger. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> you listen to the Green Room podcast as well? I did not. I'm. I might. Maybe I saw it on Twitter or something. Stole it from him. But I, I had the same thought that this is an all new O line, and they're going to take need some time to gel. Kyle Long basically said, like, it doesn't matter how many dudes you got on the offensive line if they'd never played together. They need at least five weeks. Practice reps don't matter. Yeah. yeah. And when somebody like same logic, when somebody like Kyle Long says that, I'm like, okay, I believe you. You're incredibly gifted you're a very very sexy man and you know what you're talking about so i believe you kyle long yeah kyle long gets a lot more uh a lot more trust than i do when he says stuff very earned he's earned more trust he's a freak of nature he could have probably been an nba player or a base or an mlb player if he wanted to be he's probably probably, could have been a cricket player if he wanted to be he is Probably top five, like, just freak athletes of the 20th century, if you want to break it down. Yeah. Yeah. I 
I think that's fair. And the Bears made him retire early. Yep. Fortune <laughs> asked him to play through so many injuries. <laughs> that's, that's, it's hard to say about one of my favorite players, but it's okay. We we drink through it. Um, yeah. But <laughs> going back to Cincinnati... Another rabbit hole we go down. Cincinnati <laughs> minus three versus the Cleveland Browns. What do you got in this game? The Cincinnati minus three. Yeah. I mean, they have been chucking the football these last two weeks. They, they, they said that they, they opened the season saying we got to run the football. We, we got we to try to be different than last year. In these last two weeks, they've said, fuck it. We're not different than last year. We're just ta- asking Joey B to toss it up to his boy Jamar down there, and T and uh, the slot receiver they got Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd's been going off like this. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, Cleveland's got some Tyler good secondary been, players. Tyler Boyd's been there since the AJ Green years. I, mean, I know this dude's been putting thought- nubbies for a minute, mm-hmm. and then they go get T Higgins, and you're like, okay, Tyler. Or Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, like one-two combination. That's pretty good. Then they go get Jamar Chase, and then you're like, "Holy shit!" Like if if they can ever just like put it together, and when they do put it together, it is that's what got them to the Super Bowl last year. I mean, it was throwing the ball deep to Jamar Chase, T. Higgins making clutch catches, then Tyler Boyd just being the most reliable slot receiver ever. It's three guys who can beat man coverage all day. Three guys, like Tyler Boyd could be a, a number two on just about any team. T. Higgins could probably be a one on most teams. Then Jamar Chase is a top five. might be a one on the Bears in the near future. <laughs> Wouldn't count on it. You're also trusting the Bears front office to make the right decision there. But then on top of That's that, very valid point. you have Jamar Chase who's just a top five receiver in the league. So, yeah, with a, with a, a top ten tight end? Which, if you don't have Travis Kelsey, a top 10 tight end is just as good as a top 5 tight end, basically. Yeah. It's, it's Kelsey, Kelsey Andrews, and everybody and else. It's Kelsey, drop-off, Andrews, drop-off, everybody else. Yeah. It's like Kelsey, Andrews, 3 through 17. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so... Not bad. Yeah, and I just don't trust Cleveland's offense right now. Like they, I mean, maybe I they bounce back with their run game, but like I, I'm not sure Brissett's going to be able to do a whole lot. Cream Hunt, Cream Hunt should be on the move soon. Why they they still haven't traded Cream Hunt when they have no picks because they gave them all up for a rapist. Um, the fact that they haven't traded Cream Hunt is shocking. Like, yeah, he comes in for Nick Chubb every now and then. And, but your offense gets worse when he comes in for Nick Chubb. Like you'd be better off putting any other running back in there that doesn't cost as much as Cream Hunt and that can't garner as much trade value as Cream Hunt. Like it's not like Cream Hunt comes in there and puts up similar numbers to Chubb. He just doesn't. So he has high trade value Dearest with low Johnson production. Is pretty damn good too. Exactly. And it's like, what, like, why, why are they so reluctant to trade this guy when your offense doesn't get better with him? 
you have guys that can put up similar production, and you have probably the best running back in the league right now, Nick Chubb. Yeah, and they know. won't trade him, and they have no picks. Like you need everything you can get right now to maybe help out a Deshaun Watson led football team in the next two to three years, because your window is slamming shut because you're not making the playoffs this year. And then Nick Chubb, that that I mean, is he like is he in the final year of his rookie deal right now? Because he wasn't a first round pick, or did he get paid? He got, ex- he got extended early. Okay, good for them because with with the way running backs are, it's like you have to pay an astronomical amount to keep a running back. But I guess they paid him early, and that's good for them because I don't remember no, that, I'm so not sure it can't be too much of a deal. It runs. Yeah, he, he got a three or $36 million deal, but it runs through 2024, so they got two more years of him. What? That's like the steal of all steals. Yeah, they paid him early. How, how early did they pay him? Let's see. This doesn't, doesn't seem possible. He's been good since his rookie year. I thought you had to wait a certain amount of time before you could re-sign a rookie contract. You do. A rookie contract. They paid him in 2021. So that was his third Last year? year? Mm-hmm. Three years, 36? Oh. Man. <laughs> Fully guaranteed? No. It's a running back. They can get out of it next oh, year. Fuck. How? Uh, 20 million guaranteed. How? Or I'm sorry, not That's next shocking. year. After 2023, they can get out. So That's shocking. If I was a running back as good as him, I would say like 50 million guaranteed or I don't I don't touch the field again. Because that's, so when, when that's the only one and only time you're getting paid. When he signed it, he couldn't play passing downs very much. That really it limits matter. your value as a running back. Uh, say, let me hit the open market then. I won't play for two years. I'll just sit here. I mean, I agree with you, but. I mean, I guess Le'Veon Bell did that, and that worked out great for him. So Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He only lost like $17 million doing that, so. But he made and it then, back in, in fun with jet skis, so. And then the Chiefs signed him, and everybody is freaking out. Like, how are you going to let the Chiefs go sign Le'Veon Bell? And he goes and does nothing. But let's move on to a little bit of college talk. We're already running a little long. We've been we've been just going down rabbit holes today, and might have a couple more rabbit holes here. So, all of our Philly fans out there, I will I will I will be inside the state of Philadelphia, inside the state of Pennsylvania, this weekend. And I know Pennsylvania loves their football. Um, I don't know how many of you are Happy Valley Penn State fans, but by golly, the Ohio State University only being a 15 and a half point favorite this weekend is absolute highway robbery. This Ohio State team hasn't really played anybody. But they have been beating people like they're not playing anybody either. So whenever you beat teams like you should, you're probably a good team. 
I think Penn State's very overrated. I said at the beginning of the year that I thought they could possibly have four losses coming into this game. And they've just happened to run into a lot of teams that weren't good besides Michigan, who beat the shit out of them. So give me the Ohio State University, the Buckeyes coming into Happy Valley, coming into Penn State, and just beating the shit out of them in their wideout. A 10 o'clock kickoff time for the East Coast lads over there across the pond up in the Great White North. I love Ohio State here. 15 and a half. Beat the brakes off of Penn State. And, and any hopes that they have of trying to salvage a season after losing to Michigan. <clears throat> Moving on to the next one, we go down to the SEC, going back across the pond, across the Mason-Dixon line, going going down south. Uh, Kentucky versus Tennessee. Kentucky's not good. Tennessee probably has the second-best offense in the country next to Ohio State. Tennessee's defense isn't good, but I don't know – anybody that can stop this Tennessee offense besides maybe like uh, I don't know who can stop this Tennessee offense honestly Hidden Hooker looks absolutely incredible Jalen Hyatt looks like the best receiver we've seen in the NCAA since Jamar Chase and that's including Marvin Harrison Jr. who's lighting it up for Ohio State right now Jackson Smith and Jigba from last year who hasn't even played this year for Ohio State, who's been hurt all year. Uh, who was the kid who last year played at Pitt? Uh, that's at USC now. Uh, uh, Jordan Addison. Jordan Addison. I mean, all those guys. And Jalen Hyatt is just putting up insane stat lines. Five catches, four touchdowns, and 216 yards against Alabama a couple weeks ago. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me, Jalen Hyatt? Like, the Tennessee Volunteers team is for real. And I I just don't think Kentucky can keep up with them. Um, give me Tennessee minus 12 and a half in that game. Next up, we have Baylor versus Texas Tech University. So, I kind of had a hard time playing the, this game because I think Baron Morton's really, really good for Texas Tech. And I think Texas Tech can put up points. Joe McGuire going against his former team the team that broke him out into college football and the Baylor Bears but uh, I just I, I see I see a defensive slugfest here I I think this game ends 23-17 and we get that under easily next up K-State again I don't even know how many times I've been on K-State on this podcast I've taken them multiple times without giving them out I know that I've lost on, but last week, if they don't lose Adrian Martinez, they beat TCU. I think TCU is a good team. They're not a great team. They keep skating by week after week, somehow keep winning back to back double digit deficits that they came back against. Like Oklahoma state loses Spencer Sanders. K state loses Adrian Martinez. Kansas loses Jalen Daniels. Like every single week TCU has, they're, they're down double digits, and then the starting quarterback goes out, then they come back and win the game. I think K-State's a very, very good team. I think they might – I still think K-State might be the best team in the Big 12. It's basically down to K-State, OK State, and TCU, or the last three might be the best teams in the Big 12. But I'm taking K-State here, minus one and a half versus Oklahoma State. So, 
My first one here. I just saw. Hold on. You're taking Penn State. Yeah. Against my national championship, Ohio Buckeyes, the number one pick, C.J. Stroud. I'm taking a backdoor cover, baby. Ain't no That's where it's going to happen. They're no, gonna I. So basically, I would. I, I honestly was not all in on that one, but last week my math went six and one. So I'm just going to keep riding with it. <laughs> math is wrong. I mean, <laughs> math, math is. Math is Math is theory. You can't prove that math is right. <laughs> You're actually right. I think about that sometimes. I have nightmares about it, actually. I bet you do. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, but yeah, I'm on Penn State plus 15 and a half. And par- part of it, I mean, part of the reason why I went with the math on it was just thinking, like, it's a home game for Penn State. And weird All shit right, just happens there. Let's make a side bet here. If Penn State covers, I'll shave my head. If the Ohio State University Buckeyes cover, you have to shave your head. We'll do a bald off. Okay. I can do that. All right. I I haven't shaved it in too long, so. (laughs) Next week, week one of us will be bald. (laughs) I like that. Uh, Also on my car, I got SMU minus two and a half going up against Tulsa. Like this that. is a straight math play. SMU's look good. Tulsa is, I think, one in five against the spread this year. Um, Oklahoma State plus one and a half. Jay's on the K State side. I just think it, Oklahoma State is a dog is a good bet right now. I, yeah, it, I mean, it's just about anybody. I like K State better than Oklahoma State, but I think this is. I think a one and a half point line is perfect for this game. And if you like K State, bet them. If you like OK State, bet them. Like. Yeah. I like both teams. I think they're both good. It's a toss-up. Yeah. And then last one here, I got under 61 and a half in Arkansas going to Auburn. Um, I just don't think Auburn's very good on offense, but I think they're feisty yeah. defense, and it's going to yeah. keep it a they're little lower-scoring game. They still haven't fired their head coach, which is weird. Like, they've been trying to fire him for eight months now. They've been trying to fire him since mid-March. And somehow he's still the head coach there. So I don't know what they're doing. Um, Another one I didn't add, but I might add is A&M Moneyline versus Ole Miss. I just, I don't think Ole Miss is good. Don't think A&M's good. Talking about A&M. Oof. Shimbo Fisher. Yeah. $96 million guaranteed. And he might not make a ball game this year. After getting the number one recruiting class in the nation, after talking shit to Nick Saban, after after the university giving you a TBD ring, national championship ring, with it was all over a TBD date. Like you're bad. Like it's a bad program. They they they've been bad. I mean. I don't want to say historically because I don't know how far back they are bad. They've never been good in my lifetime. They had a one. They they popped up with Johnny Manziel his freshman year. They weren't good. Everybody talks about the Johnny Manziel years of AM. They weren't good his second year at AM. His second year starting. I, I mean, I think they went seven and five. Like, yeah. good. I mean, mediocre, but like, 
they were fun year after year fun and good aren't the same thing year after year a&m pops up and like top 10 this year number one recruiting class they might not make a bowl game like and jimbo fisher's go this is jimbo year five now is it year five i think so that sounds right <sighs> and they might not make a ball game but i think they beat all miss this weekend i think they make a ball game but i just had to give a a little shit because ever since they've gone to the sec they've acted like there's there's so much they're so superior to everybody in the big 12 and i was like you're, you're the same dog shit program you were in the big 12 uh, the, the same team that talks so much shit about being in the SEC never won the Big 12, and the, now all of a sudden they just think they're so much better a team. They're not. They're they're just a mediocre. Any 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 mediocre team in the Big 12 can be a mediocre team in the SEC because it's top heavy. So I mean, yeah, you're, you're going to lose to Bama. You're going to lose to Florida when Florida's good. LSU when LSU is good. And then you're going to beat those teams when they're bad. But Arkansas is never good. Ole Miss, Mississippi State. I mean, you could be a middle-of-the-pack program in the Big 12 and go be a middle-of-the-pack program in the SEC. It's the exact same thing. And AM is is proving that wholeheartedly. I mean, we have like a 20-year sample size now. And AM is the exact same team in the SEC as they were in the Big 12. So... So congratulations. <laughs> congratulations to AM for... For being the most consistent team over the past three decades. <laughs> That's a way of putting it. And make sure you uh, you go follow our Twitter because I will have two or three more college plays just based on where the cash settles at on Saturday morning. Absolutely. And remember to like and subscribe. Let us know in the comments what, you, what your lock of the week is this week. What you like, what you don't like. But remember, don't sleep on the Lions. Number one rule of gambling, don't sleep in the Lions. Number two rule of gambling, don't bet against Patrick Mahomes. Number three rule of gambling, CJ Shrouds, the best quarterback in college football, number one overall pick, Heisman winner, and that's it. Boom. Adios.